0: Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Rev. Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message.
1: Good morning, family, friends, and visitors of the Mount. The invocation scripture today will be Psalm number 5, verses 1 through 3. The New King James Version reads as follows. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his most holy word. I have read Psalm number 5, verses 1 through 3. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We're so grateful you've joined us today. On behalf of everyone here at the Mount, welcome. Our prayer is that you are encouraged, energized, and excited by the move and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're blessed to be able to have this platform to reach you in the midst of a pandemic and social distancing, that we can still continue to teach and preach Jesus Christ. It's our desire that you reach out to us. Let us know how you are doing. Send us an email. Please visit the church website. We want to know how you and your loved ones are coping during this difficult time. But remember, family, it's not about just hanging in there. It's about standing on the promises of God. So get ready for praise and worship. Get ready to throw up your hands. Join in the singing. Join in the reading. Give God your best, for he is truly, truly worthy. Prepare your hearts even now to hear a word from the Lord. God bless you, family.
2: I said praise the Lord, family. Come on and give God some great praise, some great praise, some great praise. I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. We're going to bless his holy, holy, holy name. Amen, amen, amen. We give God praise. We give him honor and we give him glory allowing us to come and to see another day, this being the first Sunday in the month of February. We give God praise for the ministers that are here, for our praise team, our musicians, our audio video people. First Lady Kim is here and we have some special visitors with us this morning. Sister Caritha Williams, Williamson is in the house. Uh, Sister Anari Lawson, Sister Zemiah Lawson, Sister Angela Lawson, Sister Braylon Lawson. So we got Sister Caritha here and the Lawson girls. Special guest of us today. We appreciate them being here. Asking that you continue to pray for Sister Caritha in the midst of her illness. Uh, we do have a praise report. Sister Faith Cantee was released from the hospital. And she is back home. Praise be unto God. Amen. What a blessing. Uh, before we get to the sick, the shut-in list, I hear there's a big game on today. I hear there's a big game on. Uh, 14 years, Jamal and I have never been at odds with one another. Uh, but today we're at odds with each other. Amen. He he believes Tampa Bay going to win, and I'm telling him, Patrick, my homeboy, he's uh, Kansas City Chiefs is going to win today, so we, we will see, we will see. Uh, I don't want to say nothing crazy and have God mad at me, so we'll see, amen, we'll see. Uh, but listen, we, we are honored, we're honored to be back in the house of the Lord, thankful for all of you. Listen, we appreciate all of you who came out for the homegoing celebration of our brother and our friend, Deacon Keith Briggs. Amen. We're still praying for Sister Valerie. We're praying for Mother Hall and for the family. For those of you who may not have heard yet, we are changing the name of our men's annual retreat in honor of our brother. It will be the Deacon Keith Briggs Annual Men's Retreat. Uh, And we're thankful. We're thankful for this brother, the contributions he made to this church, to this ministry. Uh, And we're praying for his family. We're praying for his family as he has gone on to glory. Listen, on the sick and the shut-in, we're still praying for Reverend Baron Canty as he is recovering from COVID. As I mentioned, Deaconess Faith Canty was released from the hospital. We're praying for Sister Evelyn Mitchell. We're praying for Sister Kathleen Overture. We're praying for Brother James Ridgeway. We're praying for Sister Talia White. And of course, we're praying for this, our dear sister here with us, Sister Caritha Williamson. I also ask that you all pray for the father of Sister Lydia Haley Clark. Mm-hmm. Brother Clarence Haley is going to have to have hip surgery. So we're praying for him, that God uh, would uh, get him through the surgery and recover him. And then last but not least, for the bereaved, we're praying for Mother Lula Arterbury, uh, who has lost her sister, and we're praying that God would just uh, soothe the pain and the hurt in which she is feeling today. Let us go before the Lord and pray. God, how we thank and how we praise thee for your blessings. We thank you, Lord God, that in spite of all that's happening around us, God, you are keeping us in our right mind. God, we thank you for your covering. We thank you, Lord God, for your inspiration and encouragement. We thank you, Lord, that even through the ups and the downs, you have shown yourself. To be faithful. God, we praise you today because there's breath in our body. There's praise on our lips. Our minds are regulated. We have the use of our extremities. And God, we say thank you. Thank you for the food on our tables. Thank you for the clothes on our backs. Thank you for the transportation, Lord God. Thank you that we're surrounded by loved ones in our immediate family, but also by way of our church family. God, we ask today that you would just come and stop by and visit with the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church here in San Pedro, California. God, we ask that you touch the hearts and the minds of those who are listening to us, those who are watching us from abroad. We ask, Lord God, that you would continue to bind us together by the blood of Christ, our Savior. We pray today, Lord God, for this country in which we live. We pray for unity. We pray, Lord God, that you would erase the systemic racism that has existed for many years, God. We pray that love would permeate and saturate the minds and the hearts of men. And we'll be careful to bless and praise your holy name god now god we ask that you set the preacher down stand the word up on the pedestal of my personality let your word go forth boldly and clearly father god that you might be glorified that jesus our savior might be magnified and by the unction and the conviction of the holy spirit your people Would be edified. Now God as always. We're in your care. Continue to have your way. It's in Jesus our Savior's name. Let the people of God say. Amen. Come on and give God a hand praise. Stand with us. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. I ask that you would draw your attention to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 1, verse 1, I'll be reading three verses, three verses, three verses, and it reads as follows. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And then verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. From those three verses, from the words of the great poet poet and great instrumentalist, Brother Billy Preston, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord for the next month. For the next month, we will be dealing with under the guise dealing with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but under the guise of it's more than a four-letter word. Yeah, l- love is more than a four-letter word, but today we begin at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 1 through 3, under the heading, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Nothing. In the simplest and most unpretentious portrayal of the true and the living God, God is merely defined as love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, God is love. Of all of the wonderful characteristics of our God, love is the most consecrated manifestation of his features. John reminds the people of God in the second portion of 1 John 4.16, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So then, if this is true, and I believe that it is, the most profound description of Christian character has to also be love. It is sad that many churches, similar to the one here in ancient Corinth, that love is not the basic characterization of their ministry. In the Corinthian church, love was missing in the Corinthian church, love was misplaced. In the Corinthian church, love was absent. Spiritual gifts were present and were evident, as indicated by 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse seven. For the Bible says, "Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return." of our Lord Jesus Christ. It appears by 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 that they were sound in doctrine and committed to trying to do the things that were directed to them by God's word. For the word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2, "I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts" and that you were following the teachings I passed on to you. They were striving to follow the commands of sound doctrine, but was void of love. If you were to look back at the history of the church, it appears that the church has found it problematic to consistently be loving. It is easier to be traditional. It is easier to be ceremonial than it is to be loving. It is easier to be active in the church than to be loving. However, the supreme characteristic that God demands of his people is love. In the Greek, there are four main definitions of the word love. There is eros, which is romantic love, the love that is shared between a husband and a wife. There is storge love, love of friends, distant family members. There is phileo love, which is brotherly love, but then there is agape love. And that is what God, that by way of the Apostle Paul is describing for us, is that God is suggesting to us strongly, not by way of recommendation, but by way of a commission and a command that as his people, we are to express agape love. Agape love is selfless love. Agape love is sacrificial love. Agape love is demonstrated not based on what the person looks like and or the color of their skin. It is not determined by their height and or their weight or their skin color or hair color. It is determined by the fact that you have determined in your heart and in your mind I'm going to love people. Why? Because God has loved me. And because he's living in me, he gives me the ability to love even those who are unlovely and unlovable. But you have to express some agape love. And the only way you can have manifested agape love is you have to allow the Holy Spirit to literally be supreme in your life. If you are trying to manage things in and of yourself, if you are trying to determine whether someone is worth loving, if you're trying to decipher, should I love them based on how they treat me? Is this a quid pro quo kind of love? In other words, I love you because you love me, but God is saying, by way of the Apostle Paul, that it makes no Difference how people treat you. It makes no difference what the thought of you is. It makes no difference whether they're your friend or your foe. He is saying you ought to express some agape love. Point to somebody and say, I love you even though you may not love me. Some theologians have proclaimed That the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians may be, from a literary perspective, the greatest passage the Apostle Paul ever penned. It has been called the hymn of love. It has been described as a lyrical interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount and of the bee attitudes, but it is set now in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to music. The Holy Spirit's primary purpose in this passage, as it is in all scripture, is to edify the people of God. It is to remind us of the expectations that our God has of us. It is not something that we should just skim over. It is not something that we should read and not take in to our spirit. But it is there in order order to set an expectation of what God has for his people and in order that we might walk worthy of that which God has called us in order that we might walk with authority and with the power that God says we have in order that we might have the revelation and the understanding of God's word we have to position ourselves to not only be hearers of the word of God, but that we are doers of the word of God. And God says, here is what I want you to do. I want you to love others. I want you to go out of your way for others. God says, I want you to sacrifice for others, even if they don't appreciate it, even if they don't say thank you, even if they don't ever give you a pat on the back for that which you've done. God says, I want you to love, don't you know that nothing from nothing leaves nothing? If you put nothing in, how could you ever expect to get something out? The first few verses set the tone for what is the detailed explanation of love that is to come. Paul, being fueled by the Holy Spirit of God, utilizes his great imagination to paint a vivid portrait of comparison between that which is highly and haughtily exalted to that which is compared to a four-letter word called love. Paul enters into this soliloquy, this monologue, with a clear mind and a convicted heart. And he begins to explain that nothing from nothing leaves nothing because no matter how spiritual you are without love, he says, you're nothing. The first verse, the first verse, as we chase the text says unto us, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Here's the first thing that we have to understand, family, because no matter how spiritual you are without love, it says nothing. Hmm. It says nothing, yeah, because in the first couple of verses of chapter 13, Paul uses what is called preacher hyperbole. Paul, in order to drive home the point in which he's about to make, he exaggerates, Minister Harris. He overstates and he embellishes to the limit of his imagination. He uses various examples because he says, if somehow I were able to do, if somehow I was able to be to the absolute extreme, but did not have love, Paul is saying it says nothing. In the spirit of love to ensure the personal aspect of what he's about to say, Paul changes to the first first person. He wants to make it clear that what he is about to say applies as fully to himself as it does to the church in Corinth. That it applies as fully to himself as it does to the church called the mount. Paul imagines himself able to speak with the greatest possible eloquence with the tongues of men and of angels. In the context in which Paul is speaking here, there is no doubt that Paul here includes the gifts of speaking in tongues. Paul is hitting home because this is the gift that the Corinthians prized highly and they abused greatly. Paul's basic point is to convey the idea of being able to speak all sorts of languages effortlessly and with great eloquence far above the greatest linguist or orator the apostle Paul is speaking in general in hypothetical ways Paul is saying here that if I could speak in tongues of angels because there is no biblical teaching of a unique or special angelic language or dialect in other words Paul is using his imagination. He's saying if there was a language that only the angels understood and or spoke, even if I had that gift in order that I could do the same. He says even if I were able to speak in all of the languages of the earth, if I were to impress you with my charisma and impress you with my eloquence and impress you with my great orator skill. Paul says, if you did it without love, it says nothing. And there are folk in the body of Christ. Your prayers are stale. Your prayers are long. And they have no power and no authority. But the fact of the matter is, you don't have love and they say nothing. Have you ever thought about the fact that God so loved the world that he did something because of his love? Before the songwriter ever penned the song, oh how I love Jesus. John had already written in the progressive participle, for God so loved. Guess what what? Because he loves, we should love. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not saying it's easy, but it can be done. I'm not saying you're going to like it, but it can be done. It's going to be inconvenient sometimes. You're going to have to sacrifice sometimes. But Paul says, if you can do all of this without love, he says, it says nothing. In the countless records of speaking to men in scripture, there is no special language of angels. They always spoke in the language of the people that they were talking to there is no indication of a heavenly language. Paul simply is saying that where, where he is and where if he were to have the ability to do such a thing, if he operated in that vein but did not have love, Paul says he would become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul is saying, in other words, you're talking loud but you're saying nothing no matter how much you talk about helping the hoodlums and the hooligans, no matter how much you talk about helping the drug addicts and the drug dealers, no matter how much you talk about helping the convicts and the parolees, no matter how much you talk about helping the prostitute and the strippers, no matter how much you talk about helping the LGBTQ and the adultery. If you do it without love, Paul is saying you're saying nothing. In other words, talk is cheap. You can't even get a cup of coffee for the words that are coming out of some people's mouths. He says here it means nothing. And nothing from nothing leaves nothing. No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how good you can sing, no matter how good you can preach. If you do it without love, it means nothing. And there are folk in the kingdom that are doing things in the house of God in order to bring attention to themselves. When was the last time you cried out of your spirit and asked God to help somebody else? When was the last time you cried out of your spirit and ask God to feed somebody else? When was the last time you cried out of your spirit and asked God to clothe somebody else? When was the last time you cried out of your spirit and asked God to provide housing for somebody else? Paul is saying no matter how eloquent you are, no matter how good a speech you are, if you do it without love, it says, nothing. And nothing from nothing leaves nothing. But he goes on to verse two. He says, If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secrets, his secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, JT, but didn't love others. He said I'd be nothing not only does it say nothing but it means nothing he says if I had prophecy if I knew all of the secret plans of God and if I had enough faith to move mountains but I did not love others he says it's nothing the Apostle Paul paints a lofty picture here Brother Sherwin, because Paul states that it means nothing if you have all of these abilities, but you operate in them without love. For others, there are three specific and particular gifts that are contrasted here with love. The first thing he says is if you had the gift of prophecy, it talks about this in First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. A person may have the gift of speaking under the inspiration of God's Spirit to both predict. future and to proclaim the truth of God's word he or she may possess all the charisma he or she may possess all the stature he or she may possess all of the eloquence he or she may possess all the descriptive language in the world but if he or she does not operate in love it means nothing. Why? Because the concern with people like this, is feeling and acting superior because of one's prophetic gifts and persuasiveness. Do you know that it is possible to long for the souls to preach the word of God in order that the glories of heaven would open up unto you? But if you do it without love, it means nothing. Do you know that there are some people that are in the kingdom filling positions even now and they have an attitude and an arrogance about them because of the gift that God has placed on their lives. They didn't go to school in order to obtain the gift. They did not go out and purchase the gift but they were blessed by the true and the living God to be able to do some things within the kingdom to bring glory to God and edification unto man. They are prophetic in their demeanor. They are prophetic by nature. God gives them a word from on high and they are able to preach the lights out of the church. But the problem is they never operate in love and therefore it means nothing. They're trying to figure out, how is it that I can be so gifted how is it that I can have such discernment and yet God is not prospering me the ministry is not growing and we're not conquering new territory and demons are not taking flight well maybe just maybe it's because you're not operating with love but when you take your gift and you mix it in with a little love and you mix it in with the Holy Spirit and you mix it in with a little empathy and you mix it in with a little compassion and you mix it in with a little care and you mix it in with the love of others God is able to create some elasticity to everything that you do. Is there anybody who understands that when I operate in love God begins to make some things happen on my behalf. You don't deserve all that God has done, but because you have a heart that's full of love. God says, take a little bit of this. And God says, take a little bit of that. It's not because you're deserving of it. It's not because you're better than anybody else. It's because you operate. Hmm. In love. Paul says. If you have the gift of prophecy. But you don't have love. James he said that don't mean nothing. And nothing. From nothing. Leaves nothing. But then he contrasted with the gift. Of understanding. Because he says here in verse 2. And if I had all mysteries. And all knowledge the sum total of all that God has ever revealed and of all that man has ever learned, man has ever discovered, and man has ever developed, if you have the skill and the ability to think for a moment that God has revealed everything unto you and that you know it all. Now, now, now some of us already struggle with this because we believe we have this gift of knowledge and that we know it all. But Paul is taking it to a different level. Paul is saying a person possessing all the knowledge of the world and yet operating without love, he says it means nothing. The problem with people like this is they tend to look down upon others. They tend to express their feelings based on their status because they're more knowledgeable and better equipped than other people or so they think. Their wall is covered with degrees. There are acknowledgments from every leader of every country in the world. Because they have the position in which is an honorable one, they believe that they know everything and therefore whatever they says goes. They're the subject matter expert no matter what the subject is. But Paul says even with your degrees and even with your intellect and even with your cerebral horsepower Paul says you can have the greatest mind and the greatest fortitude for understanding and the clarity to be able to explain it. But if you You do it without love. Paul says it means nothing. Stop trying to show off how smart you are. Stop trying to show other people what your level of intellect is. Don't you know that there are some simple things in the world that no matter how smart you are, you cannot even begin to understand. How is it that God stood out on the banks of nothing and began to speak and everything began to take its form and its shape? how is it that God formed man from the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life? How is it that God scooped out the earth and filled it with water and said, come this far and no further? How is it that the mountains by the command of God had the authority, had the audacity to stretch up toward the heavens? How is it that God laid out grass and tacked it down with daffodils and lilies. If you can't explain that, maybe you're not as smart as you think you are. He says, I don't care how much understanding you got if you don't operate in love. He says, it means nothing. Come on, we got to run. We got to run. The last one, the last one that he contrasts with love in verse two, he says, if you had the gift of faith, and if you had such faith that could move mountains, this is not ordinary faith. This is supernatural faith. This is describing the very Special gift of faith that is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through verse 10. This faith is given by way of the Holy Spirit, and it has the capacity, it has the ability to move mountains. It has the ability to do great and miraculous things for God, things that are extraordinary, that are unexpected, and that are unusual. The problem, the danger family here, is spiritual superiority, an overblown mind and ego of importance. A person with the gift of faith can easily hurt others because when things don't work out the way they want, this person can stand above them and determine that it's because you lack faith. Well, who gave you the faith barometer to determine how strong or how potent my faith is? When did you get a franchise on the Holy Spirit to determine how strong someone's faith is? Don't you know the sun rises on the just and on the unjust? Don't you know that God is the determiner of our faith. That God is the determiner of our walk. That God is the determiner of our being. Stop trying to stand above others and determine, because they don't look at it the way you look at it, that you are better than. Mm. They are. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. No matter how spiritually gifted you are, if you don't have love, it says nothing. No matter how spiritually gifted you are, if you don't have love, it means nothing. And then finally in verse 3, family, he says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. I could tell people, look what I've done, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing because without love, it says nothing. It means nothing. And guess what? The text preaches itself. It says it gains nothing. Here in verse 3, there are two phenomenal illustrations given Regarding giving, listen to what I said. There are two phenomenal illustrations given regarding giving. And as noble as you might believe that being a good and consistent giver is, if you give without love, it gains nothing. Here the apostle Paul goes overboard in this illustration because Paul describes someone as selling everything they have and giving it to the poor. Can you imagine for a moment going home and removing everything from your house and determining in your spirit, I'm going to sell it all and I'm going to give every penny that I gained from it to the poor. But the problem is, is you got channel seven there when you do it. You got channel four there and channel two and all of the major networks are there with cameras rolling and you have one small tear rolling down your face as you're talking about how you have to give up your favorite easy chair in order to feed some hungry family. You go out and you give them the keys to the car and you empty out your garage, but you're doing it as a front in order that people would feel sorry for you, in order that folk would literally call upon you as being a noble and good believer. He's saying if you do all that, but you do it for the wrong motive, it gains nothing. Listen to the illustration that if you were to give up everything that you have, you would like to believe that the God we serve would look down upon you and thank you, that he would bless you, that he would honor you for that sacrifice in which you made. But don't you know that a sacrifice is only as important as the reason why You were willing to make the sacrifice i did it because i love people i did it because they need it i did it because they're hurting i did it because they're crying i did it because they're weary i did it because they're tired i did it because they had nobody else to turn to and therefore i extended myself unto them but if you do it without love Paul says, it gains nothing. But then he goes even further and we're almost done. Paul says, if I were to sacrifice my body, that's what he says here. Even sacrifice my body in the new living Translation, Paul says, if I was to allow them to burn me at the stake, Paul is saying that if you did that but you didn't do it for love, he says, it gains nothing. It is not enough just to give in and of yourself. For selfish and self-aggrandizing reasons. There are some people who want to give but they want to stand before the church and do what it is they do. But there are others who stand in the back of the church and they just give a nod to let you know, pastor I'm here, which means I'm here and available for whatever you need. There are other folk who have left the church because we forgot to mention their birthday because we forgot to mention their anniversary there are mothers that have gotten mad because we forgot to mention their child's graduation but they did not come understanding and or confessing i know my child hasn't been here in 3 4 years but they're graduating now pastor and i want you to bring them up before the congregation the devil is a liar there are people that are committed to this ministry for the right reasons. It's because they love the Lord. It's because they love ministry. It's because they love helping and they love serving. And those folk are the ones that come up ashamedly. That come up almost embarrassed when you recognize them for something they'd have done if you never mentioned it before the church body. Those are the people that come up and they say just because I can just because God has blessed me just because he's strengthened me just because God has kept me in my right mind I want to do something for the body of Christ I want to do something for somebody less fortunate than I am but Paul says if you give of your sustenance And even if you sacrifice your life without love, he says it gains nothing. Listen to me, family. This year, as we are stepping further into 2021, we have to evaluate our motives. God is not only interested in what you do. God is always interested in why you do what you do. What motivates you? God, I'm going to preach if there's two people there or if there are 200 people there. My preparation does not change. My energy and my enthusiasm does not change because, God, I love you. I love you on a street corner. I love you in a grocery market. I love you at the bank. I love you on my job. No matter where I am, I love you enough to continue to be my self. Paul says, if you do all this stuff but don't have love, he says, that says nothing. You get no credit you get no bonus points. Hmm. God looks at it and ignores it because it says nothing. He says if you're prophetic and if you have all knowledge and you have faith that can move mountains but you don't have love. Paul says it means Stop trying to hold yourself up higher than other folk. Bring it down a notch. Bring it down a notch. And just remember that anybody and everybody can contribute to the kingdom of God. And that there are no big eyes and little you says, it means nothing. He says, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if I was willing to just go and give out everything? Kim, I'm going to empty out the bank account, and I'm just going to give the money to the poor. And I believe what's going to happen is people are going to hear about it. They're going to start a GoFundMe page, and I'll get all the money back. He said, no, 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 no. That means nothing. It means nothing because it gains nothing. And then the last one, he said, what if I was willing to even just sacrifice my life? It's always interesting to me when people proclaim, I'll die for the cause. I'll die for God. I'll die for the ministry. The question is not whether you'll die for the ministry. The question is, will you live for the ministry? Because to live is Christ. In other words, when people see your life, do they see Jesus in your life? The Bible tells us, and we're done, that spiritual gifts have their place, family, in our lives. They have a place and a time in the ministry. But the Bible tells us, but love endures forever. For the Bible says, above all else, love is the one thing that is needful for the body of Christ. Faith, hope, and love form a heavenly triad of spiritual graces that endure forever. But the greatest of these is love. And that's the reason I love God the way that I do. Jesus didn't die on the cross to brag. Jesus died on the cross because he loves us. Because his love was permeating and his love was perpetual that his love had so much power. He says, you don't even have to take my life. I'm going to lay my life down in order that I might be lifted up. I'll draw all men unto me. The Bible says that the greatest of these is love, that the greatest of these is love. If you want to be great start loving. Don't try worry about trying to prophesy. Don't worry about trying to exercise your earthly gifts. If you want to be great, you need to learn how to love. And no matter how much you work on loving, we'll never be as great as the God that we serve. Well, how do you know, pastor? Because the Bible says for God, the greatest giver, so loved the greatest motive, the world, the greatest need, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift that whosoever the greatest opportunity believeth in him, the greatest invitation shall not perish the greatest deliverance but have everlasting life, which is the greatest joy. I'm telling you, the God that we serve is a great God and he loves greatly and if I take on the persona, if I take on the image, if I take on the personality, if I take on the manifestation of God, then guess what? I can love others too. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Billy Preston said you gotta have something. (laughs) <laughs> if you want not be with me. Well, guess what? If you want to be with God, you got to have something. But guess what? It ain't your height. It ain't your hair. It ain't your eye color. He said, but you got to have some love. You got to have some love. You got to have some love. Not for your friends, not for your family, but for others. He's talking about those who are Abroad. Let's close this thing out. The Bible says if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of all angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. All of the great gifts of the Spirit without love, they say nothing. They say nothing. Is it possible? that that which you're saying is meaningful but it never gains traction because you're not saying it in love maybe perhaps perchance it's because your motives are wrong he says if i had the gift of prophecy and if i understood all of god's secrets plans and possessed All knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, he says I would be nothing. Not only does it say nothing, it means nothing. Stop trying to prop yourself up. The Bible says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and in due time he will exalt you. It says nothing, and it means nothing. Paul finally says in verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrifice my body. He said, I could boast about that. I could brag about that. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. And if you receive that word today, you ought to give God some praise. If you're determined to do some things different, If you're determined to love others because God loves you. If you're determined to sacrifice for the benefit of those who are less fortunate than you are, not so you can brag about it, but just because you love others. If you're listening to us today, if you're watching us, if you're listening by way of the podcast, by way of Facebook, by way of YouTube, we want you to know today that God is intimately interested in you as an individual. That God loves you more than you can even imagine. Words cannot express how much he loves you. But if you're not He is. God loves you from a distance. His love is there waiting to be showered upon you. But in order for you to have it, you've got to be willing to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because there's no other way to the Father but through Christ. If you're with us today, pray with us. God, we thank and praise you. We bless you, Lord God, for who you are. We Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your convicting Holy Spirit. Reminding us, God, that love is more than just a four-letter word. Reminding us, God, that nothing from nothing leaves nothing. There are some watching us today who are unchurched and unsaved. And God, we extend ourselves even now to express unto them that we love you. We love you and we want the best for you. And that is why we implore you today to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and if you pray that prayer with humility with sincerity the Holy Spirit is entering into your life even now, angels in heaven are rejoicing and you have just walked out of darkness into the marvelous light. We are praising God even now for the newness of life in which you are experiencing. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you are saved. Now, God, we pray for a covering for those who may not have accepted you yet. We pray for another chance, another opportunity. And we'll be careful to give you praise, to give you honor, and to give you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let the people of God say amen. Come on and praise God. I said, come on and praise God. Come on and praise God. We thank God, we thank God, we thank God. Listen, don't forget to follow us on all of our devices. I finally, I finally, don't talk about me, don't laugh at me, I finally have access to Facebook and I can see some of the comments and some of the stuff. Thank you so much to all of the people who are following us, we appreciate you so much. And we appreciate the comments, we appreciate the encouragement. Every preacher wants an amen from somebody, amen? Uh, Now, I can bring my own, but I sure do feel better when you give them to us. Amen. So we appreciate you. We love you. Listen, continue to follow us, continue to, to check us out. We're having a meeting this upcoming week with the leadership of the church. There's a possibility, don't hold me to it, but there's a possibility we're going to open back up in March because the numbers are dropping, and we think that we are cognizant enough to do the social distancing and the other things that pertain to creating a safe environment so we ask that you pray for us. We ask that God would lead us in that process. Uh, we're asking that you just continue to flow with us, continue to pray for us. We'll continue to pray for you. Listen, family, in this 2021 calendar year, we're determined, in spite of the alienation, in spite of the attacks, and in spite of the antagonism, we're going to be strong and courageous. God bless your family and keep.
0: with pastor and first lady thomas we want to thank you for joining us today we pray that something was said or done that left you feeling strengthened and inspired throughout your week and mount sinai family while we're apart we want to remind you there are three ways to bring our tithes and offerings through the website at mount sinai san mail to 225 south mesa street by dropping it off at the church As a reminder, the safest way for drop off or mail is not with cash, but by check or money order. And at Mount Sinai, our desire is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through conversion, discipleship, and mentorship. If you're joining us today and you're unsaved or unchurched, we pray that online service does not replace your local church. Reach out and connect with us or a church that's close to you where you can learn the Bible and grow in obedience and love for God while exercising your faith. Lastly, family, through 2021, let's remember to be strong and courageous.